This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I'm excited today to have my guest with me, Scott. Thanks for joining me today. Well, it's a pleasure and honor to be here and and, uh, just grateful for the opportunity to share. Let's get into it, Scott. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, I live in uh, Southern New Jersey, uh, just outside of Philadelphia. Um, I'm married um, and I have uh, an eight-year-old little boy, Taylor. And I am a business coach and consultant uh, helping entrepreneurs uh, and business coaches leverage LinkedIn to build their business, their brand, their audience, and share their voice. And then my wife and I also have a social media branding agency called BYOB Agency. I am also an author of four books and podcast host and also keynote speaker. And uh, my my whole thing is teaching human connection. That's basically anything and everything that I teach is connecting with people the right way, genuinely and authentically. Yes. There's so much power in that. And I think that is something I'm loving seeing bring into the forefront and how much it can accelerate business when you're actually just real. So I love that. And talk about being real. What are you not sorry for, Scott? Uh, I'm not sorry for starting each day by filling my own cup. I It was a, a, a big part of my life where I was a, a people pleaser. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm still a nice guy and I, I still love to serve and help people. But I, I thought for the longest time that if I put everybody else first and really showed that uh, I cared and all of these things, that that would end up really creating a fulfilled life. But in, in in the end, it actually created an empty life because when all of your energy is focused around filling everybody else's cup, there's never enough energy left at the end of the day to fill your own. And when I started to rewire things and started to think about things a little bit differently, and if I filled my cup up first, that would give me the energy, that would give me the abundance, that would give me the love to then spread that to everyone else. That's what I'm truly not sorry for. That is something I believe in so much. And I have actually struggled with that a lot in the aspect that I felt it was selfish at first. So for the first time, people are like hearing like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to focus on myself. How would you uh, invite them to like learn and to see, see it differently? That it's not a selfish act, that it's actually necessary for you to do stuff for others? Well, you have to think about who's actually telling you it's selfish. And what I learned is that you have to actually come to your own decisions, your own self. And I think for a long period of time, you know, as we grow up, we're, we're 
looking for external sources to give us the information of, of what we can do to move forward. So we ask questions, friends, family, whoever, teachers, but there, there's a certain time in our life where we have to own it ourselves. And if there's an aspect of your life that you're not happy about, you're not happy with the relationships that you have with your friends or your family, or most commonly yourself, mm-hmm. you have to really kind of unpack why you're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And most commonly at the end of the day, you're battling low self-confidence, low self-esteem. You're, you're really taking high consideration into the thoughts and opinions of other people. When at the end of the day, not to burst any bubbles here, guys, but no one's waking up worrying about you. They're waking up worrying about themselves. And that's not selfish because if you think about what is selfish, if you spend all your time taking care of everyone else and your health, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your relationship health starts to decline. What are you left with? You're you're left with absolutely nothing. So the best place to start is with the person that looks back at you in the mirror every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, how can you love on yourself? What is something, just what's one little something that you can do today for you that is going to allow you to do more for others. And that could be going for a walk by yourself. Mm-hmm. Just just, just not talking to anyone, you know, not being that crazy person talking to yourself, but just going, just going for a walk and clearing your head, um, doing a guided meditation, writing in a gratitude journal, uh, going to the gym and working out, whatever you wanna do. I used to take myself out to dinner. Mm-hmm. I would I would go to a, a local sushi bar and I would sit at the sushi ca- by myself so I could just be with me. Everybody needs that. So really start with one small act of where you're doing something for yourself and it will compound over time. I love that. And one thing that I've found it's ironic is that I in business side, that's usually like go for a hike or I'm going just to have my me time, whatever it may be. That's where I think the best too, because I don't have that added pressure of, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z and I got to please person A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Like I actually get to, my brain's calmed down. It's not on this overdrive overpilot where it just goes, goes, goes. So talk to people about when did you first, like, I don't know if you have a story or whatnot, but when did this first hit home for you? Was there like an event that you're like, hey, I've got to change? Or was it just something gradual that you've seen over time? What what would you say? It was probably about seven years ago. And, uh, you know, my background, I was in health and wellness for about 18 years. I owned and operated three health clubs. I was a certified personal trainer, sports nutritionist. I uh, did some corporate speaking in the wellness profession. And, but, but I was at a point uh, after becoming a father, I was really feeling nervous about my future. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, he said, if you got sick or injured where you couldn't train people, you couldn't work people out, you couldn't get to the gym, how would you earn a living? 
And I was so entrenched with working and training people, I, I lost a sense of who I was. And so it's it's really funny how things kind of came full circle. So I was introduced to an industry and a profession called network marketing um, in 2013. And I, I didn't think it was a Ponzi or a pyramid, which a lot of people end up thinking it is because yeah. I... I've never had a boss. I've been I've been working for myself since I was 18. So mm -hmm. I always tell people I'm psychologically unemployable. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, that's how it's always going to be. Yeah. And I remember gaining, you know, significant traction. I made a, you know, I built for about um, four plus years, earned uh, close to four hundred thousand dollars in that time period. But it wasn't about the monetary success and everything that's come since I've gone on the other side of the industry and just, you know, fully coach and consult, it was more about the personal development journey I went on. And I didn't really understand what personal development was. I was always an intuitive person. I was always in touch with my feelings. Mm -hmm. But when I started investing in my own self and I started reading books and I started listening to podcasts, not to overconsume but to educate myself because i knew that there was a, a higher level of myself but i i needed to find an avenue i needed to find a road to go down to tap into that and i would i would say that there was a lot of powerful books that i read but more on the personal development side for uh, mental awareness was a book um called the power of now uh, by Eckhart Tolle. And when I read this book, and there's a lot of great uh, nuggets in this book, but if I was to conceptually kind of break down the the ideals of it, is that he talks about there's three types of people in the world. Uh, there's people that live in, in, in stress and anxiety. There's people that live in fear. And there's people that live in peace. And he was breaking down how the people in fear uh, are basically thinking about the future. They're creating story or they're living in a time period that doesn't exist because it hasn't happened yet. And then there's people that live in anxiety, stress, and all of those things. And, and that's where I was. And uh, that's when you replay the tapes of your past and, you know, this, that, or the other, oh, what was me? And, you know, you're the victim in everything. And that's, that's where I was living for a good portion of my life. And, and then he said, there's those people that live in peace. He said, the people that live in peace are the ones that are focusing on the only time that we can actually control, which is right now. Mm -hmm. So when I started to realize that I didn't have to do anything different, I just had to focus on being present. The more present I became, the more self-aware I also became of how my thoughts were either going to hurt me or help me. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've been on this, this mission and this journey of self-discovery, constantly climbing the ladder to uncover different areas, different triggers. And I, I got triggered yesterday, but I flow, th flow through things much easier now where something used to paralyze me for, for days, sometimes mm -hmm. weeks. Uh, it, because I, I live my life as if I'm flowing through water, I, I end up going through the process of how to process how I'm feeling much quicker, but in a more effective and efficient way. So 
for me, it was really turning the mirror around and, and doing that deep inner work that a lot of people are afraid to do because digging up all that stuff from your past, it's not fun. It's mm -hmm. not. It's so much easier to leave that chest locked away in the closet where you're never having to touch it. But I can't tell the listeners enough how freeing it is to let go of all of those bottled up emotions or resentments or the anger towards certain people, because it really allows you to progress further than you could ever imagine. I agree so much. And that's, a, again, you know, this, a lot of the work that we do and it's all around our thoughts lead to our feelings, which leads to our actions, which over time lead to our behaviors. And one interesting thing that I have found is that for me, it, I don't know. I've always felt like I've been self-aware. I'm a twin. I, I equate it because I'm a twin. I've always been compared to something or someone. And then always, you know, it's nature versus nurture. Well, what about me? You know, and so what makes self-awareness comes in naturally for me. But some people aren't. So could you give them some steps to help them? Or what? what are some things that techniques or tips that you could give to be more self-aware? So the, the easiest thing, because I don't like overwhelming or over consuming people, but the easiest thing that I could teach you uh, is something that I use on myself. And so basically when, when uh, a feeling or an emotion comes to the surface, um, you're, you're triggered by someone or something or a situation, there's one question that you need to ask yourself. So when something happens, we attach a feeling or an emotion to it. And when we attach uh, a feeling or an emotion, it causes a reaction. Mm -hmm. And either that reaction is a, a positive or a negative. A positive reaction creates a positive outcome. But a negative reaction creates a negative outcome and, and typically will send you down this rabbit hole of depression and anxiety and stress and doubt and overwhelm and things that don't do anything to benefit us. Mm -hmm. So... What I always suggest people to do is when you're feeling a certain way, when, when you feel that you are triggered, number one, don't ignore the feeling. Exactly. Don't pretend like it's not there or it doesn't exist. I actually want you to acknowledge the feeling. Acknowledge where is it coming from? What caused it to surface or resurface if it's a past reaction? But the second and final thing that you need to do to flow through that feeling, that situation, is you need to ask yourself one question. Does this feeling serve me? Yep. Now, when you ask yourself this question, it gives you the answer. Because most of the time, if that feeling or emotion is something that's triggered from something from your past or even your present, and it doesn't feel good, mm -hmm. it it's taking you down that, that negative response road. And you can acknowledge, number one, you're feeling, but number two, you can also acknowledge and you know, you're consciously aware that that is not serving me. Then it's that much easier to move past it because you know it's not going to take you down the right path. Mm -hmm. So two things to unpack with that is being consciously aware of how you feel. And number two, Asking yourself that one question, does this feeling serve me? 
And if it does serve you, lean into it because it's obviously a positive feeling. If it's a negative response, don't feed into it, flow through it like water. Makes me think of my children. So I recommend everybody teaching your kids at a very young age. Mine's been doing this since three. Name their emotions. Literally, whenever you have an emotion, name it. Like, how are you feeling? Like, is this sad? Is this mad? Is this angry? Because the older you get, what I've seen is a lot of people can't even like recognize the emotion because they either like, they'll like mask it sometimes. They're like, I'm not feeling anything. Oh, clearly you are because you're yelling. Like you said, lean, lean into that to understand that you actually, your body, your physiology is changing. Mm -hmm. So I love that you talk about that. And that's something too, that I recommend hey, do it with kids. Of course you want to learn it yourself, but your children, this is something that what we talk a lot about is peeling back that onion and how many people have like those layers and layers and layers and layers that they just like, I want a skinny onion. I don't want a big onion. You know, <laughs> a lot of people live in the past. Mm. How can we, like you said, live in the now? This is the moment. This is their now. How can you, what advice would you give to them to be able to do that? Go to therapy. <laughs> I mean, I have a therapist, not going to lie. I have a counselor. Uh, they're the best thing ever. I have, so, an I have an appointment tomorrow. I mean, yeah. it, so people, and, and I, I say that seriously and jokingly. So, um, why? I, I so believe in therapy um, with the right person. Now, people think that, you know, therapy is like this, this nasty, dirty, uh, there's something wrong with you, you're messed up. No. Listen, as much as we can lean on our family and our friends and our loved ones, uh, sometimes it takes a, a very impartial party to, in other words, see through our bullshit. <laughs> yep. To literally like, like there's no hiding again. When, when you're talking to someone that, you know, you like, and you trust from a personal standpoint, not professional, personal standpoint, they can see right through it. And you know what, if, if there's God, this is so deep. Um, if there's been a foundational relationship on some sort of physiological or emotional level between you and that person, they actually have a reaction to you, which means it's going to refacilitate the same cycle over and over again. I know that's really like, that's a lot for some people. Um, but when you go to a therapist or you go to a counselor or you go to an impartial party, you can talk about those things from your past. Now, I, I've had many coaches. I've had, I've had a, a few different counselors, but I've had the same therapist for the last six or seven years now because she's helped me tremendously at every phase of my life. And sometimes I don't go to her when things are wrong. I, I go to her when things are great because mm -hmm. there's something that I'm doing that's that's working, but there's definitely hurdles, but it helps me communicate with my wife. It helps our relationship get stronger. It's It's really easy for people to stay in the past because they've developed such an identity to who they were that they don't know who they would be if they let go of those things, if they let go of that baggage. They identify mm -hmm. themselves with their old selves because who am I without all of the hate towards this person or all the anger and resentment to this person? Who would I be? Well, who you would be would be your true, genuine self. Mm -hmm. 
So as hard as it is, and again, everybody's been through some traumatic things. You know, uh, my father was incarcerated when I was 18. Uh, that's what kind of got me into entrepreneurship. And, and there was a lot of baggage to unpack around that. Um, I was married and divorced twice. Um, there was a lot of baggage to unpack around that. I had to file for personal bankruptcy at one point in my business journey. There was things to one, but it was all positive things because the more it's a muscle. And I always kind of relate things back to health and wellness and being a personal trainer and still being someone that's very physically active. I've, I've understood the concept of uh, repetition mm -hmm. and consistency. But the first time that you get that workout, you are sore as hell. You can't. <laughs> I mean, I, I still remember those leg workouts where, like, literally, you're walking around like you have a stick up your butt. Like, you can't go to the toilet. Like, I mean, it's bad uh, and it hurts, but it gets better. And then you have that next workout and it doesn't hurt quite as much. And you're like, okay, this is now some more familiar territory. And then it gets to the point where it doesn't hurt at all. You actually look forward to that workout. You look forward to working through that. The same concept can be applied to letting go of those past emotions and those past situations that aren't serving you. It is going to hurt like hell. Mm -hmm. First time you peel back that first layer, but I'm telling you, I can promise you, the more that you're willing to lean into peeling those layers, by the time you're done with that first layer, you will be chomping at the bit to continue to rip off layer by layer by layer till there's nothing left at the end. So you just have to start. You got to lean in, you got to face that fear, and you got to build that armor around who you actually want to be, who is who you have always been. You're just wearing all those masks from the past. And it's so true when it comes to just overall well-being that I feel like sometimes it misses the mark that so many people focus on that physical fitness. But ironically, literally to gain muscle, you have to tear it. Like mm. that's how it works physiologically. You are tearing your body <laughs> to so it can build and build and build. But that is again, what that uncomfortable state is where that growth is. It's a cliche that a lot of people hear, but it's the truth. So everybody hears this, they hear about filling their cup. And then they're going into their work world. Though, what if you have an environment where people don't give a care in the world? If you're who you are, how you are, just like they want you to do the job, show up. How have you seen that impact? Not just the employees, but also the people, like from the safety, from the wellness, from those other aspects of it to take it to another level on this. Well, I always tell people that nothing is permanent unless you make it permanent. So if you're choosing to keep yourself in a business and work environment that is toxic, that's uninviting, that's negative, that leaves you feeling less than, just ask yourself questions. Is this worth it? Because there's a this is the one thing that people need to take comfort in knowing. There's a solution to every problem. There, if that job is not the right job or workplace for you, go find a new one. You know, don't quit and say, I'm done. You know, actively outside of that, start searching for something new. Because you have to understand there's a trigger for everything because 
when you're in a, a hostile work environment, when you're in a negative work environment, you end up bottling up those emotions. And do you know who ends up taking the brunt of those emotions? Those that are closest to you. You come mm -hmm. home, you don't want to spend time with your husband, wife, or significant other. You don't want to talk to your kids. You don't want to talk to your friends because you don't want to think about anything because you have spent all day bottling up those emotions of what you wish you could say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, no one, no one was born to suffer or to live a mediocre life. Everybody has been born to become great and to live an ideal life. So if something doesn't feel good, you're, you're, you're not a tree, just move. And I, I always tell people that conceptually need, they need to think of things as, as being a salmon in a world of fish. If going with the flow is not working for you, if that flow that you're going with is taking you into that negative hostile environment, turn around and just go upstream you know, go against the grain, find a new path. Again, we're only given one life. And I know this, you know, I think people too, all too often think that they're immortals, like nothing ever, ever bad is going to happen to me. I'm sorry, like, it would be great if we were all immortal, but we're not, we're all mortals. So why would you want to spend any more time than you have to at a job that leaves you unfulfilled, unhappy, and unmotivated. So I'm not saying put your two weeks notice in today, but outside of work, make it your goal to find something new that will be a better fit for you so you can start honestly putting you first instead of the company that doesn't appreciate you. Oh, yes. And I think this also makes me think of I come from a healthcare background and too many times I see people like, I guess it's part of that people pleasing that leads to that burnout. They, who cares for the caregivers? They care so much and give so much and see some of the darkest of humanity that they come back home and they're just depleted. Mm. They love their work, but it still owns them. Why would you say that self-care and filling your own cup is even, for me, I think it's even more the utmost. If you're seeing dark and junk stuff, you have to make sure that that's like top priority. What would you say to somebody about that? Well, the best care is self-care. Mm -hmm. You learn how to take care of others by the way that you take care of yourself. And because I've seen it too often that you know, these, these people that take care of everyone else, they're, they're drained by the end of the day. I, I mean, it's, it's sad to see because I see so many people where their own personal health ends up taking a toll because their belief is I have to take care of all these people. Mean like I, so many stories about people paying for other people when they shouldn't and then they end up going into bankruptcy because of that and they they end up not living their dreams out again the fact of the matter is this we're all responsible for ourselves the natural thing because of societal beliefs is to think that if we're ever to put ourselves first if we're ever to do anything for ourselves before anyone else you are a selfish person but it's actually the reverse. The most selfish people are the ones that do not take care of themselves first. Because it, I know for some people listening or seeing this, like it may sound like a strange concept, 
but I've, I've been able to serve more people and I've been able to help more people because I help myself first. And I'll give you an example. So my wife and I have a very, very strict morning routine. We get up at six o'clock. We take the dogs for a walk. We work out. We make coffee. We make breakfast. And we don't do any work, not a lick of work until 10 a.m. So the first four of four hours of our day, it's ours. Yeah. It, it is our self-care time. It's time for us to connect, reflect, get excited for the day. We're not thinking about work. We're not jumping right on the computer. We're not doing, we're just literally plugged into ourselves. You know, I eat healthy. I work out. You know, we get out in nature every single day. Those things, people don't understand how those self-care tactics create healthy triggers to the way that you live your everyday life. So again, it, it just goes back to the societal beliefs that you think are what are true are not. Sometimes it's the opposite of what you're being taught. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure it out. You have to figure out what it, and I had that conversation with my husband the other day about trying to see something from other people's point of view, like trying to give that empathy on somebody that I have a total different belief system. What made them get to there so that we might can have some common ground to see is, is my belief, is it something that is just because of my past triggers or is it my past, or is it something that I truly believe in? And that's deep work. It is deep work. So for people that are just now hearing this for the first time about anything about filling your cup, what would you say to them? What would be like some of your final advice for them on how to just get started? Well, number one, don't be afraid to fill your cup first. And the, the, the natural thing to do is because it's uncomfortable. I always tell people lean into the fear. Mm -hmm. On the other side of fear is abundance, prosperity. Start small. Like honestly, the, I've done many trainings on this, but the easiest thing I can, I can tell you guys that you can do tonight to start filling your cup, go out and buy a journal, just a blank journal, and keep it on your nightstand like I do. And at the end of the day, before you go to bed, write down three things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Just write down three things that you're grateful for. And then underneath that, your victory for the day. It, yep. it could it could be a great conversation you had with your partner or family member. It could be, you know, your kid got an A on his test or, you know, you were able to cut your day off early, whatever it was. You end your day with that kind of notion. So speaking of physiolo physiological reaction, it is physio physiologically impossible to feel any other feeling outside of gratitude when you are practicing it. So when you're practicing gratitude, you can't be angry because you're thinking like, what am I grateful for? So you're not thinking about being sad or depressed. So you're basically rewiring your physiological state right as you go to bed, where most people are thinking about all the things they have to do. So you're mm -hmm. going to bed in a stressed state. You'll have much more restful sleep. You're going to feel good going to bed and you're going to feel even better when you wake up. So 
ending your day with what you're most grateful for and your victory for the day compounded over time will help you to start filling your cup up first. That is so true. I call gratitude our superpower that most people do not tap into. And one of my favorite things to always talk about, there's a study, I'm not going to go in the details, but basically the gratitude can increase your life by 17%. Quitting smoking can only do it by 5%. I'll, I'll take gratitude over that. I, I'll, ta- I'll take gratitude. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to start smoking, but um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll take gratitude all day long. Yeah. So, and that's the thing in wellness is like, we need to quit smoking, do all this gratitude, y'all. Like no joke. It is a superpower. Tap into it. It, it does amazing work. Thank you, Scott. Final, final, final last words for anybody that is saying, I'm sorry for filling my cup. What would you tell them? That you're lying to yourself. <laughs> it's, it's honestly it, the biggest lie you can ever tell yourself is that you are apologizing. You are sorry for filling your own cup. It's one of the most gratifying. It's the one of the most thoughtful. It's one of the most loving things that you can do for yourself is to fill your cup first. Again, at the end of the day, if you're not filling your cup up first, you can't fill the cups of others around you. Amen. And where can people find you if they want to reach out to you after this? Yeah, my website, scotterron.net, but also I'm very omnipresent on social media, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. You can just type in Scott Aaron and my handle on Instagram is at Scott Aaron LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, I appreciate, appreciate you so much. Thank you for this time and thank you for this amazing conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.